Hey y'all, welcome to the Amazon's Black Stories podcast, where we highlight the stories of Black designers, researchers, and creatives from all around the world. I'm your host, Justin James Lopez, and today I'm joined by Torian Jones, where he highlights the importance of allyship, mentorship, and representation, and how important it is to see yourself and people like you in the positions that you want to be in. Now let's hear his story. Torian, thanks for joining me today on this podcast episode. This is the last episode of season one. So thank you. We're closing it out with your story here. So for the listeners, talk to us a little bit about where you are today. You're now leading a team over at Google in InDesign. But let's talk a little bit more about where you sit there. Thank you for having me. So I'm a UX design manager within Google Cloud Platform, specifically leading a team of designers on a product called Anthos. So that's within Google Cloud. It's basically a multi-cloud solution for enterprise environments to be able to have a single pane of glass observability of their environment. Nice, nice, nice. And you are leading a team now, but you didn't you didn't start there, right? Did you always want to be a manager or what was that? <laughs> like, did, did you like wake up one day? It's like, you know what I want to really do is I want to lead people. Or was it something that you kind of gradually realized was something important for you? I've actually had this conversation quite a bit with like the folks I mentor and especially as I try to like help them figure out what is their their career path? Are they going to stay the individual contributor path and then go to manager route? And I, I'm very blunt and I mean and and candid with them about, you know, this transition. And so to answer your, your question directly, <laughs> I didn't wake up and say, you know what, I, I want to lead a team of designers in a complex, you know, space in Google Cloud. I think that Kind of my nature was okay. I, I always wanted to, you know, grow and develop, and I and I thought this was a natural path for it. And so I think it's it's probably easier for a lot of designers to stay the individual contributor path and you know continue to hone their craft and their skill set, and you know they can climb the ranks that way. But management has a totally different skill set, and I'm really glad I did it because I think you you become much more rounded as management kind of forces you to see the lens, you know, the totality of the business and the business needs. And so you see how you fit in and, and not only helping the business achieve its goals, but also helping people. It's very people-centric and how you recruit and develop people. And I don't think that I would have gotten that being a individual contributor, but it does, like all things, new skills, come with its growing pains and like understanding how to do this well is something that I'm really passionate about. But I would tell anyone wanting to step into management, it doesn't come overnight. So Yeah. So that's from a management space, right? Like you you had to kind of grow into that. Now for the podcast specifically, right, we're here to talk about your design story, right? So like what's the origin point? It is the question I like to ask, right? It's like, what was the origin point in your life where you decided like, hey, you know what I want to what I want to do is I want to follow this creative bug that I have and I want to make this something that I do for my life. Where was that in your life? If you go back, I'm from a small town in Princeton, West Virginia, southern part of the state of West Virginia. And I I remember growing up, I was like super fascinated with illustration and painting. And I did that for most of my like adolescence and into high school. And I, I distinctly remember a job shadowing assignment that kind of was part of requirements in my high school to go do some job shadowing. And everything on there was like not related to art or, you know, anything like that. 
the one that was kind of somewhat close was that I got a chance to to shadow a graphic designer. And I remember, you know, I tell this, I laugh as I tell this story. I remember going to this graphic design agency or business in Princeton, West Virginia, and coming in, seeing this person moving text and shapes and, you know, pictures around the page. And I was so fascinated. And I still remember the question I asked them. I was like, hey, sir, you, you mean they pay you to do this? This is amazing. You know what I mean? I was so like blown away that like something that was so akin to, you know, what I would love to do and, some, you know, as close to what I was doing was a profitable profession. I totally changed the direction where I was going in college. I was actually a student athlete and I was going to go and compete at some different schools in track and field. And I picked my specific school because it was probably one of the only schools that I was looking at and and attending as far as like athletics that had a graphic design program. And so I picked that program. I went into it and that is how I began immersed in the design profession. And and I went through my uh, collegiate uh, years studying graphic design. Yeah, well, I think that there's a a really critical piece of, of exposure there where you don't really see it all the time, right? Like I know I didn't have an arts program growing up. So I grew up in Camden, New Jersey. All of our arts programs were cut, right? All of our extracurriculars, unless it was like <laughs> football or, or basketball or some sports related. Um, and even then, like we didn't have all of them like tennis or whatever. But like arts programs tend to be the first things cut. And I think a lot of it is a reflection of how we kind of value or devalue certain things. But then that exposure is what kind of caps the potential for people to make decisions like the one you made, right? Like it was, it seems like it was a really simple decision. As soon as you saw it, it clicked for you. Something clicked for you when you don't really have many of those moments in life. How do you feel about that as far as like the exposure in the programs that are provided to you, specifically youth of color? There's a saying, I don't know if I made it up or I've just read it a couple of times. You can't reach what you can't see. And I, and I think there's something about making it tangible to anyone who, you know, a lot of young people, they have no clue. I was just having this conversation with actually my uncle, you know, asking about what my my nephews want to be. And, you know, a lot of people just don't know, but you, your choices are, you know, there's so many choices you can become. But if you don't even have awareness that this is like a profession you can pursue, that it's something that you can have a great living and and be very passionate about, there's really no way. And I think that in a, especially in the black community, I think the awareness of, you know, professions like design and where it can take you or user experience, you know, I'm very passionate about bringing that awareness to our communities because information is power. And it's, it, it, it definitely, you know, I'll tell you that, that, that life-changing decision of me seeing someone who's doing graphic design, like, okay, I'm going to go this way. And I had a very similar one when I found out what user experience is. It was actually a, black professor who, you know, showed me what user experience is. And, you know, if we don't have that information, we can't make these critical decisions that can alter, you know, the course of our paths in life. Because often these small decisions are life-changing. Yeah, information changes situations, right? Indeed. What type of work are you doing in that space to kind of, or not even are you doing, but like, what what would you recommend for people to get more exposure from a youth perspective? And this is a two-pronged question, right? So from a youth perspective, what mechanisms does the next generation do to get more exposure? And then on the other side, 
what is our responsibility as the previous generation to then expose the youth to these things? I think very different than I think when I was young. I think the youth have an access to an abundance of information just because of the, the we're in the age of the digital. And I think it's, you know, maybe best for young people to really, instead of maybe waiting for it to come to them, like really kind of immerse themselves in multiple different areas and in, in information gathering. This to see if one of these is the path that you, you, you want to take, because I think that sometimes they wait to the last minute and then they choose something that they're not really passionate about. The good thing is that it's not a one-way door here. So you can pick something and in life you'll change professions many times. But it's I think it's it's really great for young people to really, whether it be guidance counselors or just exposure and really dive in and see is are any of these options of unlimited ones, the ones that are gonna fit my skill set. And particularly, am I gonna be passionate about? Because there's a lot of things you can pursue that seem good on paper and, and are admirable directions, but you may not be very passionate about it. And you have to do this thing for a long time. And so just make sure that you love it. So I think there's some onus there. And I think for leaders and institutions and companies, I just think that it's paramount to be pushing the opportunities and, and going to these groups and making an awareness of the opportunities that there are. Because again, if you don't go, only a small set of our population gets access to this information, all these opportunities. So you're cutting off a group who would propel your business forward or even propel the profession forward if they were just aware that it existed. So. Yeah, I think that it, it's it's a two-prone thing, right? Like you, you're, you're mentioning this idea that we have access, like the time-space continuum has been collapsed by information, right? That by the internet, by all these things that, that was like popping up when we were younger. But now it's like, are these new generations, they're growing up, they don't know a world without it. Right? <laughs> so like, it's really <laughs> like they, this is the world yeah. for them. So they, it's important for them to really utilize the resources the same way kind of, you know, you did, you know, you utilize the resources you had at the time, but they have mm-hmm. a, like a lot more. So, I, but it's almost one of those, like, what is the long-term effect of, of too much information, right? Like you kind of get this. It's probably overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, this paradox of choice almost. But so that's kind of why I like, I was like, well, what's, what is then the other side? Like, what is our charge is like kind of amplifying this voice. And I guess this is a part of it, right? This kind of, these conversations, they kind of amplify that specifically for, you know, for the black community to see other people in this space, because let's be honest, it's not the most diverse space, especially in, in corporate America, no. <laughs> right? So like when you think about that, how hard was it for you to break in? You were interested, right? From that moment. And then you, you had that professor that you mentioned with UX. But when you think about shifting from where you started and you learned, you went to school to actually jumping in fast forward, right? You've been at, at a number of companies. You've been at Amazon. Now you're at Google. How hard was it to actually get into that space as a black man coming from that background and not really having, you know, all of the privileges that other people have in the community? I have often called what I had to overcome the Jackie Robinson effect. And <laughs> <laughs> You may have heard this before, but you look at Jackie Robinson, famous baseball player. He couldn't just be good at one aspect of the game. He had to be good. Uh, you know, he had to be able to hit. He had to be able to, you know, play the different positions. 
and you had to be exceptional at it. And I, I sometimes look back at my early start as, you know, I got my start in big tech, but I always felt that I had to be extraordinary. I took a, you know, a shot at some of the, you know, big tech companies before I had a graduate degree and I never got a, um, and I'm being very um, candid here. I never got a callback and it wasn't until, you know, I had a graduate degree that I began to get, you know, callbacks and, and ultimately some offers. But then when I got into the field, I noticed that a lot of my colleagues didn't have some of the credentials that I had. Yeah. And it really impacted me because I, I, you know, similar to my entire life, I always felt like I had to be, you know, exceptional and twice as good. And that hurdle and that kind of, uh, I think that, that state it puts you in of always being exceptional, it can be exhausting. Um, and it, so it propels your, your yourself forward in your career, but you always feel, you know, I've always felt that I needed to be, you know, very good at what I did. And at some point, the highest levels of the game, it's very hard to be the <laughs> multiple levels of better than everyone else when you're amongst the best in the world at whatever you do, you know, so... That's a tough charge, right? I, I have heard that before. I mean, like, I think that, you know, growing up, you hear that, like, you have to be twice as good to just be, you know, in the room with many of these uh, opportunities. But when you think about what that means, because Jackie Robinson, just to follow the analogy, right? Not only did he have to do that, but what, what that did is it also opened the door for a lot of other people. So Indeed, yes. when you think of the work that you have done in the space and the, the journey that you've taken and the charges that you've taken in that space, like of just like kind of, you know, bum rush and dealing with it, even though, you know, it's kind of unfair sometimes. How have you seen that really start to open door for others or how have you used that to open doors for others, specifically, like say within the DEI space for these companies? Definitely at this point in my career, I felt that as a design leader who happens to be black. I love that, by the way. I love the way you said that, which is important. It's important. A lot of people might miss that, but it's important. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, as a design leader that happens to be black, I've noticed more often than not that I'm sought out by really talented, you know, people of color for mentorship. And at first it was like, a, it was, I mean, it happened before I got into, you know, higher levels, leadership roles, but I see it more, more now. And then it's also being able to recognize those talent and filter them into roles, either, you know, opportunities I have on my team or, or push them to advocate for them for different roles at different companies, or if not my own and get them into the pipeline. And so there's a, there's a certain amount of opportunity influence you have right there, but there's also you know, I take it very serious because diversity is very important for our companies, but also I'm very passionate because I see myself and a lot of the people who reach out to me, you know, who are just looking for an opportunity to, you know, propel their careers. And many of them may not need a specific opportunity, but they, they want coaching on a gap that they might have in their skill set in order to be able to propel their career forward. And so I, I find it like, you know, just incredibly like stimulating to be able to get on calls and see people's portfolios and point out the things which, you know, lessons learned, things I didn't know about my own portfolio or things that they can do in order to tell their narrative and their story and their accomplishments and the impact of the projects that they're doing. And these are some of the things like they teach you how to design, but they don't teach you how to talk about how you led cross-functional engagement, how you, you know, you drove, you know, strategic business impact. These are things that they don't, 
tell you, or you may, they may be doing those things, but it's not coming out in their portfolio. And so I find myself very passionate about that, those conversations. And especially when there are people of color who, you know, again, I see myself in them, you know, wishing that I, maybe in my early days, had the same person giving these tips of the trade. So, so who did you have when you were kind of coming up in the design space? Like who did you have that you could look up to and, you know, kind of bounce these ideas and learn from? There's very few black designers. <laughs> I mean, uh, we've had this conversation, but very few black designers. And I, that's something I'm very passionate about increasing that. So the people who I did have were allies. A lot of them who saw what I was trying to do and I reached out to them and they made space for me. And I think that then, you know, seeking mentors, I'm a huge proponent of mentoring and mentorship. I think that if you identify someone who wants to, you know, pour into you and up-level you, you can get a lot out of those relationships. And early in my career, I had some fantastic uh, mentors, people who look like me, who were administrators, who recognized the importance of design in their organizations and helped propel me. And then allies in leadership roles or even who were you know, in peer roles who saw you know, some of my ambitions and, and just kind of helped me open up doors for me. And that made a, you know, a tremendous indifference in, in me developing as a, a designer and ultimately into a design leader. I'll point out to this professor who I, I met when I was at Ohio State University, who basically showed me the entire field or user experience design. And I've always felt very indebted to that opportunity and that person because I, I just had no clue. I had no clue that this was even a profession I could pursue. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I look at that with some of the, the youth as, as far as I, I want them to know that these are these are opportunities here because someone opened that same door for me. So, yeah, you mentioned like being a mentor for so many other other folks, and you having mentors that a lot of them basically being allies, which is which is important. But how important is it to have mentors that you can connect to on not just a professional level, but that personal level of seeing yourself in the person? that you're mentoring or being mentored by? <laughs> it's substantial. I recently, I met a, a Black director of design and I had a sit-down conversation with him. And there was something very powerful about seeing yourself in that role. And I, I think I... I minimize the impact of that. There's so many people, other people have that. And so to see yourself in this role, you know, you aspire to be and to have someone really asking, like, how can I help you basically get to where I am? It was actually one of the most transformative moments in my career because as a Black designer in tech, you know, you, you're often, you know, the only one and you're climbing the ranks and, you know, exceeding and, trying to, you know, make an impact. But it's, it's, that's somewhat, you know, of a solitary, like, uh, journey. But then if you hit the crossroads of someone who is kind of at the pinnacle where you are in your career, and you can see it, just like, like I said earlier, you can't reach what you can't see. To see that person and for you to see that this is actually possible, it's transformative of how you <laughs> kind of work in your everyday life now. And you're like, oh, you know, maybe I make it there, maybe I don't. But you kind of remove the barrier of thought, like whether it's possible, because you can see it. 
You know, you see that tangibly that that person is there and for them to share with you the how and to to offer you words of wisdom and guidance. It's very transformative. And, and, I, and I hope that, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the line, that you know, that is more of a commonality rather than random examples or you know, uh, existence in, in the in design industry or even like in tech, because it definitely it lit a fire within me. I can't really explain it. The reason why I asked is because I, I don't want to minimize the importance of allies. I think it's extremely important. But I think it's similar to what you're kind of going through. It's like, it's hard to, to really explain it, but like there's something that you get from being able to see yourself, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like a part of privilege that we don't really think about. It's like part of privilege is being able to see yourself doing whatever physically, right? I can physically see myself in all these things, which is, it's just not true for everyone, right? So it's important. So you leave a lot of diversity initiatives at Google, right? Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit more about that. So I've been at Google coming up on four years and there are so many DI initiatives going on across the company. And so I've just been really passionate about it. And so there's like multiple initiatives. I've been a part of multiple work groups, leadership committees, and in those committees, you know, I get to be a voice and, you know, share my perspective. And I think that's what's probably needed is, especially if you're a designer, you know, sharing your perspective about like how we can, you know, achieve these initiatives uh, that are so important to, to company success in tech. It's been really enriching and awesome to be a part of and to say that you're a strategic driver in many of those and you can see the impacts of them has really made my experience in big tech even more worthwhile. So, Yeah. And in a previous conversation, you mentioned also being, you know, doing some work with UW, right? So what exactly do you do with, with the UW? You're a part of the advisory board, I think? Yeah. So I sit on the University of Washington's uh, Information School's advisory board. So we meet every you know, couple of months and uh, leaders from across Seattle come together and they provide input on how to you know, move that program along. So a lot of graduates from the information school become data scientists, uh, design researchers, user experience designers. It's a whole host of professions. So we basically input on strategic direction of the program. So when you think of your contribution in, in inside and outside of Google, like when you mentioned like you're kind of fitting in this role of like being able to help the strategic direction of some of these initiatives inside of the work that you do at your company, you're also doing that for these programs at the university. What I'm hearing throughout the conversation is like, is the theme is that's really a big part of it is just being able to, you know, create spaces for the next generation by being able to guide the way that these larger corporations are actually guiding the programs and the exposure. Is that kind of like why you do that? Like, is that another mechanism to kind of give back, but in like a more third-party way? I think so. I mean, I think it's pretty close. The program is is growing dramatically. And so it's it's your opportunity to basically, as a a leader in your field, provide input on how it can continue its growth. And it's kind of a real-world examples of how we're doing, taking on some of the same challenges that the program is, or, or just giving diverse perspectives of kind of problems we're solving as design leaders 
and how you can prepare those students to be able to go out into the field and be prepared to face those same kind of challenges and overcome them, if that makes sense. So, What are some thoughts for the random person that stumbles upon this, this podcast, right, this episode, and wants to, to know some tips that you gathered throughout your career, right, your experience to help them decide if design, whether it's graphic, whether it's user experience, if this creative space is, is right for them? And what are some things that they're going to have to expect on that path? First of all, I want to underscore the importance of mentorship and finding the right people who can, one, distill you know, this field down to you and, and be able to coach you on, on the stepping stones in order to, to move forward into it. Because it is a little bit nebulous and, and challenging to to navigate, and so that's important. Mentorship and finding people who can sell them, you know, information down. I think that confidence and betting on yourself and saying that I can I can learn this and I can propel myself in my career and and putting yourself out there is a big part of it because it is it isn't easy. I mean, nothing worth having is easy. So bet on yourself, mentorship, and also like relationships. I think that you can be the most talented, you know, visual designer, graphic designer. You can be great at working with engineering and drive cross-functional engagement. But relationships that span multiple companies will help you, you know, kind of navigate this complex environment. And so really doubling down your relationships and your networking because you just never know where those paths are going to cross and where to take you. I've moved from Microsoft to Amazon and to Google, and I've crossed paths with people from all of those companies very often. And it's, it's kind of profound to, to see it and, and how those relationships, you know, pay it forward for you and help you with the challenges that you face, you know, and the next opportunity that you have. So. Yeah, so it's, it's not just about like shaking hands, right? I heard this years ago and it stuck with me. They said, it's not about what you know. It's not about who you know. It's about who knows you. And <laughs> I thought that was, I, it really hit me hard because I said, I don't care if you have Michael Jordan's phone number. If he's not going to pick up when you call, then what does it matter? <laughs> you know? So like, what's the, so what the, the importance of fostering that relationship is important. And that's what you're mentioning. It's like, it's, it's not just like, oh, well, you're at my company now. So I'm going to, you know, be friends with you now. And then I'm, I move to a different company. And then I just need to start a whole new network. It's about fostering that network as you grow, which is a, a beautiful gem, right? To leave with these young people. I feel like we're really transactional. I see a lot of really transactional interactions in society now because of just the nature of things. And it's really important to take the time to maintain those relationships because you never know this, you know, this peer may be a director one day, right? You never know. Yeah. And a very specific example I have is I worked with a really amazing director of design when I was at Microsoft and she helped really propel my career forward. And I, I left there and went to Amazon and, uh, you know, worked there for years. And then the same director had moved to Google and reached out to me and, you know, about an opportunity. And so it's like, and I had maintained that relationship with her. And, um, you know, I'm a huge, you know, fan and, um, you know, advocate for her because she, you know, she opened up those doors for me. So it, it talks, but it's, you know, squarely what we talk about as far as 
maintaining those relationships and, and not being transactional because you, you never know whether it's a, your director of design or it's the your peer designer who works next to you. You never know who those people are going to become. Yeah. And if you foster those relationships, you know, have integrity and character and you develop those, they may very well reach back to you and want you to come work with them again. Or likewise, which, you know, has happened a lot of my recruiting, people who I have worked with, who I've developed really strong relationships with, they want to work with me again. And so, you know, fostering those because you just, again, like you never know who those people are going to become. I've seen that from even when I was in my undergrad, like some people who I, I had developed relationships with. I mean, it's mind blowing who those people became. And so if you foster relationships, you can leverage those, but also you can help them and they can help you. And that's what it's all about. Love to see it. Well, Torian, thank you for your time today. Thank you for your vulnerability and your honesty. And thank you for telling your story. Thank you for having me. It's been uh, fantastic. Fantastic.